What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the Buffalo Bills. But before we do so, I just wanted to give you guys an update on the upcoming episode. And that is going to be on a multitude of teams. It's going to be the teams that I'm having trouble projecting and I'm not going to have statistical projections for because of it, but I'm still going to do the research, still going to give you guys some info that's really helpful and give you a thought process as where I have them ranked and why. So those teams are going to be the Saints, the Packers, the Texans, and the 49ers because of all the super concerning, questionable situations going on basically at the quarterback spot. But the rest of the teams that we have not done yet, I will project as normal. And that, that episode is actually going to help us get ahead of the curve, too. I'll have more time to go over sleepers, hot takes, all that stuff. Also, by the way, this is my second time recording this. That's obviously the first time you're hearing it, and the only time you're going to hear it. This is my second time. I don't know what happened to my mic. It was, like, completely destroyed for the first seven minutes of a 30-minute recording that I just did of the Buffalo Bills, so I had to cut it out, and I'm re-recording that part right now. So you're going to hear like a weird little jump probably at like the seven minute mark or like five minute mark. That was what I was able to save from the first recording. So I'm just redoing this beginning part. Anyways, Buffalo Bills, we're going to look at them, their personnel changes. They don't have much changes at all. They lost wide receiver John Brown, replaced him with Emmanuel Sanders. They lost defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson, but they did add two defensive ends in the first and second rounds, Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham. They have some minor shuffling on the offensive line, but they gained depth overall, so good upgrade there, or minor upgrade, and that's about it. That's really the only difference. They have the 17th-ranked D-line, 14th-ranked linebacking core, 4th-ranked secondary, so just above average defense, and 14th-ranked offensive line. That's, you know, that's pretty decent, pretty decent, but the best thing about this team is that they retained Brian Dable, and I don't know how they did, Thought he was definitely going to get a head coaching job. I really wanted to see him with Justin Herbert in L.A. with the Chargers, but he stayed somehow. He'll probably be gone after this year, but because he stayed, it's going to be a very similar offense this year to last year. Last year, they passed the ball 59% of the time. I expect them to do the pretty much the exact same, except I have them at 58% right now. The reason that I have them at that 58%, just it's only 1% difference, right? But just to explain it, it's because I think they're going to try to establish the run a little bit more. They really struggled finding a running back that they loved between Singletary and Moss. They went back and forth. I think they're going to kind of commit with last year's rookie, Zach Moss, a little bit and be able to establish the run a tiny bit more. With that said, those rates and expecting them to have the same total plays is going to bring them to 620 passes and 449 runs. Josh Allen, quick FYI, and I'm not making a big deal about it. I just thought it was interesting. It's not crazy important for fantasy, but Josh Allen led the league in dropped interceptions last year with 21. And 
that's just a really high number. And I was not surprised to see it, honestly, because throughout the season, I was watching Josh Allen, and he was still taking those super risky, crazy throws like, what are you doing, bonehead decisions, as he has in the past, except this year he got super lucky because most of them were not intercepted. And a lot of them should have been. Now, I know 21 seems like a high number, but some of you that have actually looked into this or seen this before, you're going to say, hey, Patrick Mahomes had 19 last year, Brandon, so who cares? Why are you making a big deal about it? I'm not making a big deal about it, just thought it was interesting. And yes, Mahomes did have 19. But there's a difference between Josh Allen's 21 and Patrick Mahomes' 19 and other quarterbacks that were in that like 15 to 18 range. And it's this. Josh Allen consistently makes decisions that he shouldn't be making. He consistently throws those balls when he shouldn't be throwing them. His intercept, possible interceptions, all the ones that were dropped, were way more atrocious, way more atrocious than Patrick Mahomes or any other quarterbacks. I'm talking gimmies. Like these balls were dropping in the bread baskets of corners with not even a wide receiver to contest the ball. And the corners were dropping it. I don't know what was going on. I guess they're not wide receivers for a reason. But I just thought it was interesting. And it's something that you can use if you want. You could use it as a tiebreaker if you're splitting hairs between Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott and Josh Allen. If you're comparing those guys and Josh Allen is somebody you're considering but you're not really sure and you've already looked at the schedule and you've already looked at the risk factors and you've already looked at the potential and you've already looked at consistency and you still need a tiebreaker, all right, well, Josh Allen's probably going to have more turnovers than he did last year and it's probably going to bring down his touchdown rate a little bit because you know he throws an interception. Now that drive is dead. Now he has to restart. So because of that, just just letting you know. You know, I thought it was interesting, but I'm not weighing it too heavy. It's kind of just like if you're splitting hairs, you need a tiebreaker, you could use that. But with that said, this is the the final portion of what was lost when I recorded the first time. So let's press on to my first attempt. So let's get into actually Josh Allen projecting him, right? He runs a lot. It's ridiculous how much he runs combined with how much he passes. He's always touching the ball, and it's great for fantasy. He's had eight or nine rushing touchdowns every single season. We're three years in now, so you could basically just stamp that in for about eight or nine touchdowns. You could give him 10 if you want because of the extra game. I'm going to project eight rushing touchdowns. He's usually right around 500 yards. His rushing yardage has gone down each year, which is good. You like to see that. Not for fantasy necessarily, but it means he's progressing as a quarterback. His rushing yards has gone down every season. His passing metrics and efficiency metrics have gone up every season. So as he improves as a passer, he starts to run less, which makes sense. That's what you want for your, from your quarterback, especially when we're not talking about fantasy football, when we're just talking about the NFL itself. And if you're a Bills fan, that's what you would like to see. So I have him at 492 rushing yards, continuing to kind of be on the lower side compared to how he started in the league with the eight rushing touchdowns. So now let's talk about the passes. Last year, he saw 69% of his passes get completed for 11 and a half, 11.5 yards per completion and a 6.5 touchdown rate. That is an 11% jump from last season in completion rate. He was at 58% completion in 2019 and then he jumped to 69 now it's gonna be much higher because yes he's a lot better now and yes he has better weapons aka Stefan Diggs but is it gonna be 69% for 11.5 a clip probably not probably not it's probably gonna go down a little bit 
whenever somebody has a super like super efficient season like that, it always goes down. It's nothing against Josh Allen. It's just what we see historically, right? Lamar Jackson had his in crazy his crazy efficient season went down. Ryan Tannehill had his crazy efficient season went down. Even though their weapons didn't get worse, sometimes their weapons got better. But for you to have just an outlier season and then do it again, it's not going to happen. That that does not happen. So I'm putting Josh Allen at 67%, down from 69% last year. Similar, actually I'm putting the same yards per completion at 11.5, and I'm also reducing that touchdown rate from 6.5 to 5.5. Why? Think about if some of those interceptions are caught. That That kills a drive, and then the next time Josh Allen gets the ball, he's restarting farther back on the field. So he's having to pass more to get the same amount of touchdowns, aka his touchdown rate will go down because it costs more passes per touchdown. He is still in that first tier of quarterbacks. If you want to take him as your first quarterback off the board, I'm not going to argue because he's in the first tier. And in that first tier, he's with Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. The only person that might be in that tier that I have yet to project is Dak Prescott. We're almost all the way through the projections, guys. So that won't even be a a thing I have to say anymore. I'll be able to just say straight up, this is my quarterback blank, my running back blank. And it's coming. It's coming soon. But Josh Allen is in that first tier. So if you want to make an argument for him first overall at, at the quarterback position, I completely understand it. No arguments from me. Now let's get into Stephon Diggs. This man, basically him and DeAndre Hopkins, they're just insane. They both changed teams, had a new quarterback, and had more than a 27% target share. Stephon Diggs had a 28% target share last year. That's ridiculous. Cole Beasley, he had a 19% target share. I'm just going to go through the target shares real quick so you guys have a basis to work with. Cole Beasley had a 19% target share last year. There's reports he might not play. John Brown had 15% of the targets last year when healthy. He's gone. So it's possible those were the three leading receivers for the Bills. Beasley, John Brown, and Stephon Diggs. And we're looking at a 28% target share, a 19% target share, and a 15% target share. That's a lot for the first three wide receivers. And with two of them likely being gone this season, and, you know, I don't like getting political or anything. I'm not like somebody who's heavily opinionated. You know, I always understand usually both sides of everyone's arguments. So I'm not getting into that. But Cole Beasley, I personally feel like he's not going to end up playing. I think he wants to play. Obviously, he's made that clear. But I don't know. Just all, just the way everything's been heading, it seems kind of like he's going to end up either the Bills are going to ask him to sit or they're going to cut him or something. I don't know how, how serious the Bills front office is going to take all of the precautions and, and where the NFL is moving towards the whole vaccine, unvax, not vaccinated thing. But as of right now, I'm just going to project that Cole Beasley's not playing. If he is, it's an easy adjustment for him for me to make. And if it, it's something you really care to know, then you can message me about it and I can say, you know, if Cole Beasley plays, then this is what I would expect. But as of right now, just for the purposes of this podcast and for the draft sheets, I'm not going to project Cole Beasley. So I have Stephon Diggs. I have, uh, not, obviously not John Brown. I have Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and Emmanuel Sanders as the three wide receivers I'm projecting, and then everything else is in the other category. And I just wanted to say that this wide receiver room is very similarly structured to the Bengals, right? The Bengals, we look at their wide receivers, and I've said this. I would not be surprised if all three of their wide receivers are top 24 when it's all said and done this season. 
Why? Because the Bengals throw the ball a whole bunch. Well, guess what the Bills do? They throw the ball a whole bunch. The Bengals don't throw to their running backs or tight ends very often. You know what the Bills don't do very often? Throw to the tight ends or running backs. You know what the Bengals did last year? They funneled more than 60% of their targets to three wide receivers. You know what the Bills did last year? They funneled more than 60% of their targets to three wide receivers. Very similar build. So, if that's the case, then why can Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis, if they're the second and third wide receivers for this offense, why do I not look at them the same way I look at the second and third Bengals wide receivers? And why do I not have them projected the same way, which you'll see? Because Stephon Diggs is the dude there. He is the absolute dude. He is the man. He is elite. At least an elite route runner. But I would say he's an elite wide receiver in general. He had, like I said, 28% of the targets. You know, the number one wide receiver in Cincy had like 22, 23% targets. And that's what I have it projected for this season. So because the number one is so dominant, it hurts the two and three. But overall, as a unit, they're pretty similar to the Bengals. So with that being said, what do I expect from Diggs? I think he's probably going to lose a little bit of efficiency. He was just bonkers off the charts last year with how efficient he was. So it's probably going to come down a little bit. But he's an absolute stud. Excuse me. Absolute stud for your team regardless. Stefan Diggs is very close to being my wide receiver one. Like super close to being my wide receiver one. It's him and Tyreek Hill battling it out at the top for me. And with all of the... You know, Michael Thomas being hurt, Devontae Adams having the question marks at quarterback and all that stuff. It's probably going to be exactly how it is now. It's probably going to be Diggs at, at two, Tyreek at one. That's probably going to be the top of my draft board. So Diggs is going to be a beast, absolutely worth where he's being drafted. And if you have him, great job. If you snagged him last year in a dynasty startup at like wide receiver, his price was like wide receiver 30. Amazing job. Amazing job. All right, so now let's talk about Gabriel Davis. He has higher potential than Emmanuel Sanders. He's the one I would be looking towards. I'm going to tell you straight up right now, I have no interest in Emmanuel Sanders. Gabriel Davis, I do. He had a very productive rookie campaign despite being somebody that was drafted late, being someone that they don't have a high investment in. There's no reason for Gabriel Davis to see the field unless he's really good. There's no oh, third round pick. We got to get him on the field. We got to you know, give him his opportunities because we invested this into... No, no, that's not the case. Gabriel Davis earned his way onto the field and he did it in a pretty decent wide receiver room. Now he could be the number two with that productive rookie campaign and now Beasley probably not playing this season. I'm projecting Gabriel Davis with a 15% target share. Now, if Cole Beasley does play, I would reduce it to about 13%. And if once we get confirmation about what that situation looks like, if Beasley's out, I'm actually going to have Gabriel Davis at a 17% target share. So I'm putting him kind of like at the middle as if like Beasley was playing like half the season just because that's the safe way to rank it right now. So I have Gabriel Davis at a 15% share, but I would move it up if Beasley's confirmed out, move it down if Beasley is confirmed to play. But he's one of the sleepers that I really like. And you'll see how much I like him with the new ranking that comes in or with the projections that come in at the end. Emmanuel Sanders, he's a medium floor, low receiving player, or low ceiling player. That's why I'm really not interested in him. Your later picks need upside. Now, there are some deep league exceptions here. If you're in a 14 team, or a 16 team, or a 
a regular 12 team that starts for wide receivers mandatory and has some flexes, then Emmanuel Sanders provides value for you. And it'll be somebody that can help you win games because of his consistency. But if we're talking about 95% of what leagues are, Emmanuel Sanders shouldn't be on your team. There's no reason to have him because he's one of those late draft picks that have a very low ceiling. And it's possible that his floor is actually really bad too. So why are you going to get Emmanuel Sanders? Best case scenario, you get a consistent 10 points a game. You can get that off the waiver wire from so many guys. Think about how often Cole Beasley is on the waivers. And he's always been that for the Bills and for fantasy. So Emmanuel Sanders, he's a wasted pick. Don't take a shot on Emmanuel Sanders. Use those late picks for guys with higher upside. Take a shot on a Henry Ruggs. Take a shot on a Traquan Smith. Take a shot on Amari Rogers. Take a shot at all these younger guys, these rookies, these second-year players. And then, you know that's how I prefer it for the wide receiver position specifically. But you could also take a shot at like a Traquan Smith or something. Somebody who just has some possibility, some semblance of being able to have a breakout, even though it would be super late in their career. So that's why I have no interest in Sanders, but I have him at a 14% target share. Let's talk about the running backs, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Like I said, it's going to be a quick one. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. I'm going to give you some stats with both of them combined. All right, I'm going to be very, very extremely descriptive on whether it's good or not. All right, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary combined for 11% of targets. Here's the analysis on that. Trash. <laughs> That's it. They combined for 268 carries. The analysis on that one. Garbage. And they combined for seven total touchdowns. The analysis on that. Waste management. I don't know. I had to think of something similar to trash and garbage. You get the gist, right? Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, both of them combined, are not even like serviceable. <laughs> they're, they're not even serviceable. 11% of targets between both of them combined. The average RB1 in the league gets about 11% of targets by himself, right? They combined for 268 carries. The average RB1 for a team gets like 220 carries. And they combined for seven total touchdowns. The average RB1 in an offense gets at least seven touchdowns, like seven or eight. So combined, they're like barely an average running back, if that. And they're not combined. You're having to pick one, and I'm not picking either. The team does not run often, first off. We talked about it. 41% of the time they ran last year, I have them at 42% this year. Not only do they not run often, but Josh Allen takes away goal line carries. He takes away carries in general. He runs the ball about 100 times a season. And Josh Allen has a huge arm and is a risky guy. You know what guys with huge arms and risky styles of play don't like doing? Checking down to the running backs. And guess what? That's exactly the mold that Josh Allen is. He's not going to check it down to the running backs. He doesn't like throwing to the running backs at all. And he takes away their touchdown potential. He takes away their volume potential. And it's already a team that doesn't run a lot. And both of these guys have to split the little amount of work that's even there. So, no thank you. If there was no running back by committee, the Bills running back still wouldn't be very good. So, I'm setting just so you know. It's not really that important. I'm not drafting any of these guys. But just so you know, I'm projecting a 55-45 split for carries in favor of Zach Moss. A 58-42 split for targets in favor of Devin Singletary. So that's how it is for that split. And let's talk about the actual players now and what I have projected. So 
Josh Allen, I have at 620 passes, 415 yards, or completions, and 5,068 yards, 34 touchdowns, 493 rush yards, and 8 rushing touchdowns. That puts him in that first tier of quarterback. You can make a case for him being QB1. You can make a case for him being QB5. I see all sides of that coin. Stephon Diggs, I have at 180 targets. What? Brandon, you're being ridiculous. Am I? Am I being ridiculous? 100, I think it was 166 targets last year in 16 games. Okay, that's just over 10 a game. At a 17th game, that's, if you're keeping the same pace, that's at least 176 targets. But if Cole Beasley doesn't play, and with John Brown gone, it's possible that Stephon Diggs' target share is even higher next year. So I don't think that's even crazy. And let me tell you this. You remember Antonio Brown and Julio Jones that season that they had? I don't remember what year it was, where they both went for 1,800 receiving yards. That could be the Stephon Diggs year this year. Now, I'm not projecting that, but it's possible. He could just absolutely go insane. But I have him at 180 targets, 133 receptions. He had 122 or 27 last year. And 1,623 yards, 8 touchdowns. Stephon Diggs is my wide receiver, too, behind Tyreek Hill. Gabriel Davis, I have at 93 targets, 55 receptions, 856 yards, and 7 touchdowns. That's pretty good. That's a good sleeper, and I really like the range he's going in ADP. Definitely somebody I'm paying attention to drafting. Emmanuel Sanders, I have at 87 targets, 62 receptions, 764 yards, 5 touchdowns. Like I said, not interested at all. Devin Singletary, I have at 43 targets, 34 receptions, 237 yards, and a touchdown, along with 152 carries for 684 yards, two touchdowns. So for Singletary, I have him at just about 900 yards total and three touchdowns, absolute garbage. Zach Moss, I have at mm, almost 1,000 yards total and six touchdowns, so still not very good. Zach Moss is lower on the receiving, higher in the rushing, having for 814 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, and 185 carries. So that's what I got on this team. The guys that I want to draft are Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Gabriel Davis. That's it. That's it. No Dawson Knox. They don't throw the tight ends very much, and he's not, like, superb. No running backs. No Emmanuel Sanders. I'm looking for ceiling. So thank you guys for tuning in. That's the Buffalo Bills for you. Have a good one.